I was telling Sister Amy this morning, I said, this has been a word that God has been stirring in my heart, and I kept trying to say, I don't want to preach this. And usually it's those kind of messages, and you know that God's just going to mess you up. So I was reading it, and I was praying about it, and I kept going, God, what do you want me to say? I said, you want me to say out of this scripture? And he's like, well, yeah. So as I was praying, and I kept rereading, and I kept rereading, and I felt the Spirit nudging me, trying to encourage me to get deeper into it. And I was like, okay, God, you have your way, you lead me. And my, my fingers started ripening, and I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of engulf me like a prophet. I don't even want to say that. Don't even quote me on that, ever. But I just felt the Lord give me the words to say this morning that are needed for right now. For the message right now. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Numbers chapter 22. If you've been in the church a little longer, you know the story about this, this one man that comes into account. But most of us, especially in our teenage years, likes this man because it talks about what he rides on. He rides on a donkey, and but the King James Version doesn't call it a donkey and always, you know, how teenagers are. They get slapped silly uh, with the words that they choose, and they're like, okay. So therefore, it left a mark on some of us. But if you have your Bible with, this, with you this morning, you go to uh, verse 1. We're going to go through it here. It says, Then the people of Israel set out and encamped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all, the Israel, all that Israel had done with the Amorites. And Moab was greatly in dread of all the people because they were many. And Moab over, overcame with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will now lick up all that is around us and the oxen, or as the oxen licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was the king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, uh, at Hethor, which is near the river of the land of the people of Amoth, to call him and say, Behold, this people has come out of Egypt. They cover up the face of the earth, and they dwell opposite of me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they too are, are, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps... I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land. For I know that he whom has blessed, or he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. If you'll skip a little ahead. Verse 16, it continues and says, And they came to Balaam, and they said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zapor, Let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will surely do a great honor. And whatever you say of me to do, I will do. Come, curse this people for me. But Balaam answered and said to the servant of Balak, Though Balak were to give me a house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight that I may know what the Lord might say of me. And God said to Balaam at night, and he says, If you, or if the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you to do. 
Father God, you've stirred me up, and you've got me a little messed up, and you've got these people wondering, where is this going? But God, let this be a word for today. Let this be the word that you've been stirring in me for two weeks, Lord, to get out, Lord, to, to encourage people for what we are seeing today. Because, God, we need an answer. And that's only going to come from you, God. Lord, we trust you. Let the hearts be eager to hear, Lord. Let the ears be attentive to the, the message that you've given, Lord. But let, the, let the, the mind wonder with your great signs of what you do. And, Lord, just be with us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Kenny has already alluded to the fact of what's going on in our nation. I mean, for a long time, we've been looking around, watching the news, going, where are they going? What is going on? It seems like chaos. It's almost at the one-year mark of the war that, that Russia started in Ukraine. It's been how many years since COVID hit, and it's caused all kinds of tizzies. It's becoming more and more accustomed that we would see bare shelves in the stores of things that we might want. Better yet, it seems like it's getting harder and harder for our wallets to stretch with the needs that we have as we watch our inflation kick up. But like Brother Kenny alluded to, about a week ago we turned on the news and all of a sudden we saw a revival start sparking up inside of a, a college after a Wednesday chapel where they were asking God to come and do something different. And when the, when the, the, the speaker had got done, there was a group of, of young people that said, you know what, we don't want to leave right now. We want to do a little bit something different that we have not done. We want to just spend a little bit more time in His presence. We want to spend a little bit more time exalting Him. And then if you've watched it, if you've followed it, what you see is people and masses are going, we have to go to Asbury University. We have to see what's different there that, that's going on. They, they're going, what has happened? What has started this? What has God up to? We're hearing the, the words of healings. We're hearing the words of, of salvations. We're hearing the words of, of chains of, of addiction getting broken off. What is it that's going on here? And one of the things that God is saying is it's not just a one-off. Brother Kenny alluded to it, how the, the Church of God's University Lee down in Cleveland, Tennessee, the kids got there and they started going, we don't want what that's going on there not to be happening here. So they started asking God, come, come into this place. Let us walk in full surrender. Let us start seeing something going on. And what we're seeing is, is it's not just two campuses. It's not just Kentucky University. It's starting something different in the hearts and the minds of the people. I've seen where, where Cedarville University and in, in, in another part of Ohio is starting to kick up. I'm hearing reports of other universities that are all tied to Christian, Christian affiliations. They're starting to see the young people go, we don't want it there. We don't want to travel a little longer. We want it here. They're saying we want it here. Let me tell you right now, my prayer has been for the longest time. God, I want revival here. I want to see the people set free. I want to see bondage ripped away. I want to see salvations just coming day after day, an occurrence as people come in here. 
and are hunger and thirsting after his righteousness. See, we need to start hungering and thirsting after spending time with God. That's what the Bible challenge is all about. That's what going through as we, we're, we're looking at the word and we're looking to see what God is doing in our lives is all about. It's about asking God in our prayer time, saying, God, I'm done with me. I need you to step in. That's what reading our word, when we're done looking around for the answers, when we look and we start reading it and we start seeing the truth become exposed. It's why when we start dedicating our lives to God, that what we see is the purpose get, un, get released in your daily steps. Let me tell you, Sister Stephanie tells me, I've always wondered, because I talked to her this morning, she says, I've always wondered what my calling on my life was. And she says, you don't realize the aspect of what the doctors are saying they're going to do in my hearing can unlock a door of what God has been driving in my heart to be a purpose. And that is to reach those that have had a hearing impairment. To be able to be a vessel where they could understand that God loves them and wants to set them free. You see, God is opening up purpose if we would just follow him through the journey. If we would just trust him in all the processes. I mean, if you want to look at it. You watched the Super Bowl last Sunday? You know what? I, I, before the Super Bowl happened, I kept watching the news and they kept talking about those two ads that were going to get aired, that were going to talk and promote the idea of Christianity to people. Opening up a dialogue with, with images of, of today's scenes and talking about how Jesus dealt with those and how Jesus loves you through those and opens up a dialogue. You know what I saw when I, when I was watching the news and they were getting ready to talk about how wonderful the ads were? You know what happens. The haters came out. The people that wanted to hear the message, but they don't want to receive the message, wanted to be the ones that quieted the message. We live in a world today where the people don't want to hear the truth. They want to walk in their own understandings of, of what they think is right. They want to walk in a, in a standard that says, okay, I don't care what it is. If they start outnumbering me, they're going to become my enemy, and I'm going to start trying to find a way to attack them. Better yet, they want to walk in a falsehood, so when the truth starts knocking, the, knocking on their doors, they don't want to hear it. So what do they want to do? They want to put up more and more walls around everybody so that they can't even hear it too. I'll, I'll be honest. The title of my message, Brother Jim, is Don't Quote the Woke. I don't normally tell you my titles. Normally, they're kind of hidden. And, and, I, and I just kind of keep them on there as I go through the file systems, as I save every single message. But what I found so interesting is that we live in a world today where we keep quoting what the world says. But we don't ever ask God to replicate the things that he wants to say. We like to quote the funny things of this world. Let me, I'll tell you right now, my kids hate me because I'm the dad joke capital of the world. They look at me and go, Dad, really? That's so cheesy. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. It's in the fact of the way I do things, the process, the, the fact that I can quote songs from back in the 1990s more than anything else because I learned it so much. And it, and it just brings to light the fact of words. 
I love the, the word where it says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but by spiritual principalities. But when you look at how God started up the spiritual part of things into this world, it said that he what? He spoke. There's power in words. There's power in everything that we say. There's power in the life we live and the life we pursue. There's power in all that we do. But what we don't always relate to is the fact that words that we are listening to, words that we're speaking, have the power and the implications to set the captives free. See, where I'm getting at is that we live in a world where opinions are always given. Let me tell you right now, the church is the same as the world. We all have our opinions and our ideas of what's right and what should happen. And often, we don't realize that there was an age-old quote that I learned growing up that said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it. But yet, the world today wants to say everything not nice, and the church has been doing it too. So where is the correlation? Who are we replicating? What are we pursuing after? And the aspects of the words that are going on. You see, we have a world today that wants to say you shouldn't date so-and-so because they got X, Y, and Z wrong with them. But they don't realize that God might be moving that together and trying to make a unity and, and, and a life transformation in that couple who's going to get a calling on their lives that are going to set some crazy messages out and set people free. Let me tell you, I got told by my wife, she says, there's this one woman in my old church, she says, don't date that boy, he's not consistent. Let me tell you right now, I'm the one case that she says, I got that completely wrong. Because God was in it. The world wants to tell us that you shouldn't take that job because it doesn't make enough money, but you don't realize that God's got a blessing on the other side. The world wants to tell us, don't move to that city because it's a dying city. But God's trying to say, you're going to be the vessel that speaks life into it. Better yet, the world wants to say, don't go to that church because they'll indoctrinate you with some crazy stuff. But they don't realize that there's truth being spun. It's kind of crazy to think that today words are so more powerful than we'd ever understand. Because today we live in a world where many just want to quiet what they don't understand. Today we're looking at Ashbury University and you see people going, is it a revival? Or is it a prayer conference? Is it, is it just people just doing a worship set? They just keep saying, they don't, it's not anything. It's coming from the church. People are questioning what it is. You know what? I have to say to all of those people. I don't care. I don't care what you want to label it. All I know is that God is doing something right now in our nation, right now in our colleges, where it seems like there's an indoctrination of ideas that are coming through the higher education. But God is saying no longer. Your words might matter to you, but it doesn't matter to who God is. And what God is trying to tell a church today it's time to stop quoting the woke. It's time to qu quit thinking that they have it all right and all together because they have a degree. It's time to start wondering and, and, and having an imagination, asking God, why do I not understand it? Show me what it is that I need to have. See, Moab in the scripture, it talks about how they were looking at Israel. 
and they'd heard the stories of what they did to the Amorites. They started seeing the stories about what happened in Egypt. They started hearing the stories about how God had sent Moses and he said to Moses, or Pharaoh, let my people go. And they started hearing about how God had sent the plagues. And when all of a sudden, everybody around them, the kings around them, like the king of Shon and, and the king of Og, had been defeated by the sheer size. Moab was looking in fear because they didn't understand what was happening. So their response the same response it's in human nature stop it stop it so they sent messages to the guy that they hoped would be one that would help set them free Balaam and Balaam's hearing this and he says okay but you know what I find interesting most people only relate God to the when he sent Moses most people only relate God to Abraham they don't relate God to, to ba uh, Balaam because of the fact that he didn't follow the message. He wasn't an Israelite. He wasn't of the tribe. But you know what? The Moabites and the Amorites and all of them came out of the seed of Abraham. They came out of the seed of, 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 of Isaac through uh, um, Esau. And they started building up. So they knew who God was. But the problem that they had in their relationship was they, they, take, they took God, the God who we serve, Yahweh, Yahweh, who we, we cry out to, and they put him in a box. But it wasn't until they needed him that they would actually seek out a, a prophet of his who would actually proclaim the word who God was speaking through. They were waiting for the different words to come through. How many of you have experienced in your life where you started walking closer to God? And then all of a sudden, out of the woodworks, everything seems like it's going peachy king. And everybody starts looking at you going, what's so different about you? You ever had somebody ask you that? What makes you so special that, that God would love you, that you have to walk in this holier-than-thou kind of mentality? What makes you not want to go drinking anymore? What makes you not want to go smoking them cigarettes? What makes you not want to go to the bar? What makes you not want to go watch them movies in the theater any longer? What makes you not want to listen to that good old rap music that we're listening to that talks about slapping them? I'm going to leave that to your imagination. What makes you so different? You see, what I'm saying here is that when we start walking closer to God, people come out of the woodworks and they want to ask you, what makes you so different? What makes you so different than me that you think that you're more righteous than me? You know what I tell people when I ask that question? Nothing. What makes me better than anybody else? Nothing. What makes me worry about, worthy about this pulpit and the microphone that I have? Nothing. The only difference that I have on me is that God put me in this position and he still called me to proclaim the word and the second he calls me to get out of the pulpit, I'm going to get out of the pulpit because it's not about me, it's about him. And we live in a world where the words that they want to use are to try to cast us down and to curse us and to get us off track, to get us walking in a defeatedness. You see, that's the same age-old trick that, that this, the, the old slyfoot Satan was using in the garden. When he looked at Eve and he says, will you surely die? You see, he's a good wordsmith. He can put words together that sound good and actually articulate very well. But there's no truth in it. There's no aspect of, of relationship within it. 
And, and what, what we're trying to get at and what we're trying to really pursue after is, is the truth in all of our lives. Because God is trying to build up a kingship in us. He's trying to build up a priesthood in this church. He's trying to get his people to start finally living fully sold out for him. But we're walking through this wilderness of this life. Trying to make our way, trying to, to, to just get ourselves into different places that we think are right. And we keep faltering. And we keep failing. And we keep having struggles. Why is that? Because words affect us. Let me tell you a story. In 1886, there was this Baptist preacher down in, in North Carolina and Tennessee. He started reading his word and he started going, what is going on? What is this that I'm reading? And then he started meeting up with eight other people. And he started asking questions and they started reading their Bible and they started praying. And all of a sudden, God spoke to them so clearly that there was something more to their relationship. So what did that preacher do? He cast off the Baptist title. He says, I'm not about labels. And I'm going to start preaching a word that God's given me in this word, and I'm going to start letting it be relationable and make, making it be transformational. And what did we start seeing? We started seeing a revival start sparking up. You don't realize that right now you're in a place that's part of that revival that sparked in 1886. He was one of the very first preachers within this Church of God denomination. It's R.G. Sperling. And it was in those aspects that people started going, why is it so different? They started putting labels on it. They started asking, what makes you so great? Let me tell you, when we don't understand what we like or what we would think should be fit, we put labels on it. Labels are great. I label my food so my kids don't eat it. I label my words so I can figure out where I'm going at in it. But the scary part is, is when I start putting labels on it that says unacceptable, freak, unworthy, all these different things that the world wants to put on people. You say, I, I'm done with it. I'm done with labels. I want you to know that that video that I put up this morning, that we've played several other times, that Kenny alluded to this morning, was the fact that all are welcome because I don't want labels on anything. You see, the truth is, R.J. Sperling, he was dealing with a lot of persecution when he cast off that Baptist title and he started preaching the Holy Spirit in and he started asking God to do it and they started seeing the spiritual fruit. Part of it was speaking in tongues that made everybody go, what is so different? Let me tell you, speaking in tongues is nothing great outside of its words that are heavenly that God uses to speak to his people. They're words. And yet people wanted to cast them off and say that there was no value. And what they started doing, there was even burning down churches that they would start getting into. They start burning down buildings thinking that they would stop it. Let me tell you, that which God starts, the world can't stop. Can I say that one more time? If God is going to start something right here, right now, the world can't stop it. And right now, we need to start being a people that are praying in the heavenly words that says, God, start something right here. God, start something right here, right within me. Start changing my heart, taking this heart of stone and start putting a heart of flesh within me. 
Start letting me see the gifts stirring up within me. Start letting me become so hungry that, and so thirsty after your righteousness that this world can never satisfy me with what it's got to offer. I don't care what we got going on in the world around us. What I care is that the spiritual influences are building up in this kingdom right here, right now. And that comes from people that are hungry and thirsty for him. In the 70s and 80s, the Red Door ministry started kicking up. And it was full of people that you didn't expect to see. Long-haired people, people that listened to hippie music and all these things. They were looking for a spiritual truth, and they were looking in all the wrong places until the Red Door ministry started kicking up and started saying, come on in. We don't care if you smell bad. We don't care if you're high as a kite. What we want you to understand is that God loves you, and he wants to transform your life and deliver you from those addictions. And what had happened? People started going, I don't like that. When things that are different happen, we put labels on them. And we start rejecting them. We start saying it's bad. It's expired. It doesn't make sense. But what God is trying to tell us today, it's time to get ready for something new. I don't know about you. Are you ready for some new? Because God doesn't like to do the same old, same old. God likes to stir up a new wind, a new fire, a new hunger, a new thirst. He's looking for the people that says, I want something new. Is that you this morning? Are you saying, God, I want something new? I'm done with the old way. I want the new way. I want the heavenly way. God, I want a revival, a new revival. Not one of those great awakenings that I read back in 1800s that happened. I want a revival here that's new. I want a revival here where God is just breathing so heavily upon us, church, upon our lives, that we can't separate it any longer. See, that's got to be the heart of his people. It's got to be the heart of his people where we start saying, God, I love you so much. Have it all. We've been preaching it for a couple weeks now. God, have it all. The book of Leviticus talks about how God is setting up orders and places so that we realize that we need to have him have it all. And he's making us walk through wilderness valleys where he's saying, are you going to surrender it to me yet? Are you going to surrender it to me yet? I've made you more numerous. I'm building you up. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm putting you in a place where you can exalt me. Are you going to surrender it yet? But better yet, We live in a time where the enemy's still trying to get us stopped. He wants to stop it before it even starts. He wants to discourage you before it even starts. He wants to try to get people to curse you before you could ever get the blessing that's coming from to you. I'm not talking some prosperity gospel. See, the blessing of God is not done in your bank account. The blessing of God's not done in your health. The blessing of God is done through your soul where he's awarded you the, 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 the salvation, where he says, I'm going to do good things through you by your life as you become the vessel that's poured out for me. That's a hard message for many in the pews, many that are watching online, because we like the religiosity of church. Let me tell you, I am not a religious person. Can I say that again? Sister Joyce, can I say that again? I'm not a religious person. 
I'm a relationship person with my Heavenly Father who I get to wake up to and know that He's right next to me. You could wake up and say, Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, have your way in my day. But God, right now, I just want to spend a little bit of time in your presence. That's something that you could do. It's the relationship. It's not the religion. It's the relationship that changes you. Let me tell you right now, when I married my wife some 15 some years ago, I was a different man. She's trying to change me, Sister Phyllis. And you want me to tell you the sad truth? She has. She's made me better. She's made me more compassionate. She's made me more patient. Let me tell you, God's going to do the same thing to you if you wake up in that. It's not about a religion. It's not about the the rules that you can't do. It's about the rules that God says, I love you, that I'm going to lead you to do this. I'm going to help you do right. I'm going to help you walk accordingly. I'm going to help make you this thing called holy. Because it comes only through spending time with Him. I'm done with putting labels on people. You see, the people of Israel were walking around in the wilderness valley. They were waiting for God to take them in the promised land. But they were such a wicked people. The word actually calls them stiff-necked. Don't look at your neighbor and tell them, I know who's stiff-necked in this church. But the truth is, we all struggle with that. We all struggle with the effect of this human structure where we fight against the spiritual truths within our lives because the enemy's trying to win that war where you got an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. You know how the cartoons put it all the time? Or am I the only one that grew up watching Looney Tunes? We're, we're, we're always battling back and forth. And what I find so interesting was even through all the struggles, even through all the naysaying, even through all the complaining, God was still looking after his people. No, he didn't promise them all to go in the promised land, but he says, you're still my people. I've not rejected you. Let me tell somebody today, God's not rejected you. God still loves you enough. That's why he sent his son on the cross. That's why he let him die on it for your sins, for your punishment of all your wickedness according to his rule and his order. But God says it's not about you paying the punishment any longer because I'm going to do the thing that you can't do so I can bring you in relationship with me. But you have to accept it. You have to be willing to hold on to it. You have to be willing to receive it. You see, God is declaring the good word today. Balaam looked at all the servants of the guy that called him out to him, and he says, I can't say anything except for that which God tells me to speak. So what did he do? God finally gave him permission to go, and then we all know the story about how the donkey stops in the track because the angel was going to go against him because Balaam was really looking at his own bank account, thinking, okay, if maybe God will give me a little bit of ability to make some money don't believe me, Peter writes about it in 1 Peter. But what happens when he gets there? He makes Balak go and do these uh, these, uh, very elaborate, very, very large sacrifices to God. And he says, okay, I'm going to go speak the word that God gives me. And what does he speak? Blessings upon Israel. 
bless Balak got so upset. What are you doing? He says, I, I told your servants, I can only speak the word that God has given me to speak over this people. He says, okay, well, let's try that one more time. If you do it, I'm going to give you so much money, you're never going to have to go and play the lottery ever again. He says, okay, but I'm only going to speak the word that God gives me to speak for these people. Well, it better be a curse. So he gets up and bless them. Multiply victories, all of these different things. And that's what God is doing for us today. The world wants to speak curses over every single one of us. They want to try to kill us. They want to try to get our, our heads knocked off of us, get us so confused and discouraged that every time a revival sparks up, we want to fight it. But it's time for the church to step up and say, I want revival. I want God's good word spoken over me. Good word. One that will never stop. Good word. One that will give me future and a hope. Good word. One that gives me purpose. A good word. One that gives me everything that will give me a driving point and a purpose. For some of us today, that might be the ability just to serve God and trust that he's good. For some of us, that might be the freedom from that bondage that's been holding us back for too long. For some of us, that might be the chains that have refused to let you lift your hand and exalt the name of our God and all glory. For some of us, that might be getting up a little longer and start proclaiming his name as truth. For some of us, that might be finally saying, God, I'm done with it. I want to give your good news to whoever I see. For some of us, it's time to start not listening to the curse. For some of us, it's finally just not listening to every bad word that would come up against you. Every discouragement, every time that it seems that you, God's not hearing you, and you start doubting it, and the people are going, see, God's not real. But what God is trying to stir up is a people like Elijah, who was making fun of all the worshipers of Baal, and, and they're watching them cut themselves on the Mount Carmel experience, and he starts saying, you know what? You are just doing all the false stuff. I'm done listening to all your garbage. It's time to start putting my God to the true test. It's time to show you who the God that I serve and how he's so awesome. It's time to watch the fire fall. we got to start expecting a new thing. But one thing will always stand. Isaiah 40, verse seven, or verses 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. If you'll stand with me this morning. And I, I think someone needs to hear this again. The grass withers and the flowers fade. That means when this is all over with, when, when there's no hope, when it's all dying around us, we have one truth that we can hold on to. And it's that it, our word of our God stands forever. It's never going to fail. Let me tell you right now, this right here is our bread and butter. This right here is our hope. This right here is the thing that's going to give us truth in every aspect. Don't believe me if you're struggling with depression. Read about Elijah. Don't believe me if you're struggling with infertility. Read about the different ladies that struggled with it and God blessed their wombs and anointed them like Sarah. 
don't believe me, start opening it up and asking God to come into it as you read it. Don't believe me. Start praying a little deeper and watching God do the miracles. See, what God is trying to say is it's time to stop listening to the woke, the the confused, the five-minute messages that have just now popped up where people think that they're right because they have an idea. And it's time to start quoting the truth. It's time to start showing it how it's still alive today. This word is not dead because God is still alive. And if he's still alive, he's still breathing on it and still bringing a revival through it. It might seem old, but there's some new fire still waiting to come out of it. There's some new fire waiting to come and spark in your hearts. There's a new fire that's willing to say, Lord, let the fire of my altar never burn out. Let me put myself on the altar, God, and just let it burn it up and burn away the chaff within me that's all the sin and the garbage and allow me to walk a little bit more free. See, that's what we have to have a heart for. Lord, right now, I just ask that you just touch us, Lord. Lord, let us just set our hearts on fire for you, where we are so dissatisfied with the words that are being spoken around us, Lord. Lord, the words that are not even being heard in our vicinity, but Lord, they're trying to speak it against us. God, right now, we just ask that you speak a little louder through the vessels that you need to speak in to our lives. Lord, we speak blessings in our life where we know that we have the salvation through your Son. Lord, we want to hear the blessings, Lord, that it doesn't matter when this life is over. It's just a memory. But God, we get to exalt you in heaven. God, it doesn't matter what we're dealing with because you are still good. God, we got to hold on to the truth that it says that your enemies will be at our table, Lord, and we get to spend time with you while they watch in jealousy. God, it's time for us to hold on to the truth, Lord, that you said that there's only good and not of evil for us. And even better yet, though, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have the hope not to fear any evil because you're with us. Lord, your word says so many times that you lead us with your righteous right hand. And though we fall, you lift us back up again. God, we just need that reminder every single day, Lord, as we wake up and say, God, I'm done with the same old, same old. God, I'm over the same old, same old. God, I'm ready to start hearing the truth and stop quoting the negative. God, I'm ready to be the vessel that's poured out on the good news instead of the the woke news. God, we want to be so open and transparent with you, Lord, that it doesn't matter what darkness might try to come in. Your marvelous light will outshine it. God, we need you. We need you to have your way in this place. Lord, we need you to give it all to you, Lord, and and just let you have it. But God, we want a fresh, new revival. A new fire. A new wineskin, Lord. A new thing, Lord, that's going to pour through this this people, Lord. Through this nation, through this church, through this city, through our families, Lord. God, we want to hear your truth. Because, God, you're good. And we trust you in all that it is. Lord, have your way, Lord, in this place. Have your way in this place, Lord. We give it all to you, Jesus. And everybody said, if there's anybody that wants special prayer this morning, the altars are always open. 
But if there's nobody this morning, you are all free to go.